podcast with Dan and Scott. Hottest golf podcast, whether you like it or not. Fresh from back in the day when they still played at the park. 7 a.m. PM special where they played after dark. From the birds to the focus to the losses and the win. Welcome podcast, patron to the show. Leave the pen, get busy golfing or get busy dying. Hottest golf podcast and I swear I ain't lying. Yeah. Leave the pen. Welcome back, podcast patrons. Episode 204. As always, I'm your host, Dan. Uh, tonight we got a really special guest. I know I say that all the time, uh, but but this is a dude who is not only a rapper, a singer, but he's also a golfer. So we're going to introduce him, and you might say, you know, what is the connection between hip hop and golf? You know, what is the connection between a rapper? Why are you having him on Leave the Pin podcast? Um, it is none other than Matt Mog. Matt, how are you doing, buddy? Good. I'm happy to be here. I'm I'm so excited to get you on, dude. Um, you know, in the past we've had your brother on, uh, you know, professional golfer and stuff. And I know golf runs deep in your family, but you've got a another kind of career pathway, another kind of talent that really isn't shown too much in high level golfers or in golfing families. And and you you are. I mean, you're an MC, man. You're a rapper, you're a singer. Um, do you produce as well? I do produce, yeah. Okay, so I mean, you're like, I mean, you're a dude that can do it all. Like, that's one-stop shop. Um, so let's get into it a little bit and kind of give people kind of a little bit of your background. Uh, we'll even save the golf stuff for a bit because, you know, the rapping and singing and producing stuff, I think, is just so interesting uh, to me. So how growing up in a golfing family, right, which is something that we kind of don't necessarily have the connotation of hip hop or rap being part of that. Like, how did you go from a golfing family to being so involved in the rap game? So it's funny because it, it definitely came from my brothers. Like they they were just so into like rap music growing up. And uh, I would always get since I'm the youngest, I would always get like a hand me down iPod and stuff like that and so whatever they were listening to is what I was getting and so it was a lot of like Kanye, Lil Wayne, Eminem, like all the big rappers from the early 2000s and so it, it came from that just listening to music all the time uh, with my brothers and we also played basketball so we played like a little bit of every sport growing up but uh, just I don't know there was something about rap music I always liked and I just listened to it like we didn't really play music growing up. We weren't around it a ton, like at least anybody making music. And so by the time I got to high school, I just realized how much I loved hip hop and just kind of gave it a shot on my own and started writing myself. And then after a little while, eventually realized I'm, I'm not too bad at this. Maybe let's put some of it out and see if we can get better. So I teach high school um, and, you know, I see kids like freestyle all the time or kids thinking they're rappers or kids thinking that guy, you know, I'm going to be a rapper when I grow up. And like, that's cool. That's awesome. Um, but the second that they open their mouth and you hear their flow and you realize that they can't keep time on a beat, you're like, hey, man, a career choice in that field might not be the best thing for you. Did you have a lot of kids in your high school that were into it like that and kind of when did you realize that you weren't the same as them well no which is the weird thing is like at least where i grew up no one was like it wasn't like people were freestyling at lunch it wasn't like my friends were doing it um it, once again this actually funny because i'm thinking back to the first time i recorded a rap it was my brother brian's idea he was like my we just got a new family computer and we're like hey it has garage band let's make us <laughs> that would be kind of funny and 
they didn't know but on the at the time i was like writing little raps but i never recorded myself and so that was my first experience it wasn't like like at lunch with my friends doing freestyles like a lot of rappers grew up doing because uh, I just grew up in a completely different culture than like most other artists. Yeah, and and you know what's interesting that really kind of shows in your music. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know now I mean, let's take like mumble rap out of it and things you can't even understand. But a lot of guys that are prolific rappers, you know, a, a lot of kind of like your top ten rappers of all time, um, extremely talented guys. You know, have been blessed with with luck or maybe some like amazing stories that have kind of served as their background as a writing platform. Um, but on the, on the other end of the token, like to me at least, they get a little bit lazy at times, right? Always kind of rapping about the same topics, whether they be, you know, drugs, guns, sex, sometimes things that aren't even related to their life, right? It's just like, I'm part of that rap game. And then like my biggest thing, whenever I talk to people about rap music, is like the proliferation of the n-word and how easy that is to rap with the same word over and over and like people fall back on that all the time which i think is like kind of a crutch obviously that's something that you don't use so do you think it's harder to rap i I don't want to say cleanly you know but is it is it harder to rap about kind of everyday topics instead of diving back into the kind of the rote drugs guns gang life yeah, I think, I mean, I think it's different for people that rap about that because if they lived it, they're rapping about their life. So it's the same difference as me rapping about, I don't know, being being younger and back in school or whatever, talking about whatever I, a, a real experience I've gone through. But yeah, that's the thing is it's always, I try to write every day to, for one to just work on writing and get better. But when you write every day, it's hard to come up with unique ideas and yeah. you talk about um something interesting that's also relatable because something interesting usually isn't relatable but if you can find a way to talk about something that you go through every day and a lot of people go through every day and slightly word it differently it's going to be unique and interesting um if you had a name i mean i you know i people probably ask you this all the time like hey man name your top five favorite rappers but you mentioned a few before that you kind of grew up on and i'm kind of curious like what your Mount Rushmore of rap looks like because you know you're you're a younger guy um do you have a history in the game like do you you listen to you know the OGs of the game as well as the new guys like kind of where do you fall in that spectrum yeah it's a big mix of of new and old so like my two personal favorite all time it's kind of more obvious choices but for me it's J. Cole and Drake I think one J-, J Cole is just the most active of the like real lyrical rappers, like talking about real stuff in their music. Um, I love Kendrick too, but I just don't think Kendrick's been as active. So that's why in my personal opinion, I put J Cole higher. And I think Drake is just the artist that has managed to sit, to stay relevant for the longest time. And whether or not you like Drake, I think that is something that you can respect as someone that's just managed to stay relevant uh, for so long. And I'm just a fan of his music. I personally enjoy it. So they're like my top two. Um, my favorite, like old school rapper though, is probably Nas. I really love his. Yeah. (laughs) And so that was kind of actually one of my teachers put me on to Nas. And so that kind of, I have a lot of good memories listening to his music, um, in high school. And so, and I have a few other more newer influences, 
Uh, I really love like what Connor Price and Nick D are doing. I don't know if you've heard of them. Yes. But... Oh, dude, their album that they just, it, it's, it's insane. Yeah. It's insane. Mm-hmm. And they're like the, the guide for all the independent artists like myself that are trying to make a living. Like everyone's watching what they're doing. Pretty much everything they do is what all the smaller artists kind of copy, at least on like social media. <laughs> yeah. Like their back and forth on still hot is unreal. Yeah. Um, you know, and, it, and it's funny. Uh, so I, I teach a class at advanced strength and conditioning. So we have music blasting nonstop. Uh, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. Like your music's been on it. I think I've told you that, you know, in the past, like, you know, so, uh, yeah, so full throttles on it, um, slides on it, like, mm. and kids hear this stuff and they'll come up to me and be like, yo, who's that? Who's that? Like, I've never heard that before. Mm-hmm. And so it's crazy that, you know, someone my age, like I'm 45, like someone my age is putting them on to new music and, and vice versa. Like, you know, all the time I'm like, Hey, you know, it, it, it's Friday. Give me three or four that we can put on the playlist. I'll see if I can find clean versions. And we kind of go back and forth and that's through kind of all genres of music, uh, which is interesting. But I want to go back to one thing you talked about, like Kendrick and J Cole, like obviously two guys that don't necessarily curse a ton in mm-hmm. their music. And you can kind of see that influence, yeah. um, you know, on yours, uh, we haven't talked about it yet, but you coach high school golf and you have kind of an influence over younger kids as well. Uh, yeah. Do you see yourself putting these kids onto new music? Like, do they listen to your music? Yeah, um, definitely. Some of the kids listen to my music and we I love I love chatting with the kids about music just to hear like how different it is. Like I'm 23. I'm not like that much older than them but it feels like a whole generation difference between what sure and to and what i was listening to in high school and i also it's funny i actually um i i used to work at a church with high schoolers and so it was the same sort of thing always talking about music with them always hearing what they have to say and it's like a lot of them listen to rap but it's not the same kind of rap and they all are actually really into like alternative music and a bunch of different genres which is super cool because it's a lot more of a broad like taste in music than I had when I was their age. Yeah, it's uh, people ask me all the time. And like I mentioned off air, like I grew up in the whole New York hardcore punk scene. Um, but I still remember like I was a sophomore when Illmatic came out by Nas. And, you know, I, I grew up in New York on Long Island, literally probably, you know, 25 minutes from, you know, where he was born. And uh, it, it was it was like such a cultural phenomenon. And that album just went through the roof. And no matter if you were a white kid from the suburb, you know, a black kid from the inner city, a Spanish kid from where, like, it didn't matter. Like, if you mention that album, some of them are like, yo, you listen to that too. And it's this instant connection that you have with people in music. Yeah. No, that's so cool. That'd be crazy to grow up in that time around there. It, there I, I tell you what, there was a lot, I mean, just a ton uh, of good music. Uh, so you're originally from Seattle, right? Uh, yeah, the Seattle area. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, you know, like off the top of my head, and I'm not too familiar with the Pacific Northwest, right? But like I've got Macklemore and Sir Mix-a-Lot from up there. Like who are the other big MCs in hip hop that kind of shape that culture and influence up there? Well, uh, I don't know if you know Sam LeChow. He's a smaller artist. He was pretty popular when I was younger, but some of the newer guys... Um, like Lil Mosey's from Seattle. Um, okay. There's this new kid who's really cool, uh, Charlie on a Friday. I don't know if you've heard his stuff, but... I have not, no. 
he's pretty cool I, i'd check him out he's like like he he had a few hits and he's like he's starting to rise up okay he, i think he was on tour with like tate mccray so it's a little bit more in the like pop world it's yeah. kind of kid Leroy is like sort of same lane like pop slash rap but he's super cool um and there's not there's honestly not a lot of like super mainstream guys like travis thompson is also super dope he's from seattle um he's like i know macklemore would kind of took him under his wing for a little while but he's more of that like real rap kind of sound but he so he's super dope okay gotcha that, that's interesting you say you know real rap right because the genre nowadays is kind of really mixed like you said like it's mixed with pop it's mixed mm-hmm. with soul it's mixed with hip-hop uh you know here and there and it's it's really interesting to see and i think you see it more so now really honestly kind of like post-pandemic these these collaborations with people from different genres of music and just kind of making it work um so for you like who have been some of the people that you've really liked collaborating with on your songs or on their songs so a couple of my guys that i've become good buddies with uh my my friend titus uh we we've made a bunch of songs together we just have a good chemistry because we know we like a lot of the same music we know what each other can do and so i feel like we have a good idea of like sending each other the right songs and knowing having an idea of what they'll come up with and so we, we just work really well together uh my producer jp like i produce myself but like uh he's he's probably produced like 50 percent of my songs like he produced full throttle so he he also kind of knows what I'm looking for and has does a good job of sending me the right stuff. Um, and then some of the guys I've only worked with a couple times, but uh, were super cool is like Futuristic is one of my one of the guys I grew up listening to in high school. And so when I got a chance to work with him, that was really cool. Um, and then Bats, who's super dope, he's the guy featured on Full Throttle. Okay. Uh, he's super cool, and we were kind of around the same level when we made that song, and he kind of took off after that. So it's been really cool to follow like his trajectory. So one of the things that I'm super interested in, you mentioned before how you kind of write every day, right? Like that's a skill, right? That if you don't practice, you, you kind of lose. I mean, it's almost like golf. You take a it day is. or two off of golf and all of a sudden this club feels completely foreign in your hand. It's like, you know, what the hell am I doing out here? It's exactly so, that same thing. <laughs> when when you're writing and, and kind of, you know, practicing your craft throughout the day, like, are you writing specific lyrics for a beat that you came up with or that like JP sent to you or you know are you just writing about daily life like like kind of walk me through how that works it's really unorganized and I, I I'm trying to get more organized but uh that's kind of where the art side of things comes into play where it's like I might spend all day being like I'm gonna do this style of song like I'm gonna do more of like an old school rap and then JP will send me a beat that's like slower or more melodic and i'll be like i'll listen to it and then i'll hear an idea in my head and i'll be like okay i guess i'm gonna sing today like i'm gonna completely scratch the whole idea i thought i was gonna go with so it's not very like calculated which unfortunately i don't love because it's hard to hard to stay organized but um to this month i decided to do a new remix like every day which is more of like a discipline thing because i want to make myself one just get better at rapping because i've been more focused on like songwriting in the last couple of years and learning how to like structure songs um and i just found myself kind of in a rut for a little while and so i decided to make myself write raps every day 
and just try to get better and see if it helps. Cause I know if I, if I was struggling and with golf and I wasn't really improving, if I practiced every day, I mean, maybe I'll get better. Maybe if, if I'm practicing the wrong way, I might get worse, but like, I'm sure the like touch and the feel of everything is going to improve. And so I kind of just took that same mentality and put it towards my music. Let's talk about that real quick because on your Instagram, like through your Instagram stories and stuff, you've been, you know, taking a song, uh, you know, a popular song that people would know and writing your own lyrics and performing over that. And that's so that's every day in November we're going to go with. Yeah. Okay. Um, so was that something kind of, I guess this is like more content creation based, but was that something you planned out in advance that you said, okay, these are the 30 songs or 31 songs I'm going to do. Or has it been one of those things where it's like, hey, I love this song today or this song popped up on you know, my phone to play and I'm going to do that one tomorrow. So I literally thought of the idea on Halloween. So the day before I was like, <laughs> I, was like I, I think it'd be it actually. OK, sorry to backtrack a little bit even more. Uh, I was watching a J. Cole interview and he talks a lot about how he'll make his artists do drills. He'll give them seven minutes and they have to write a full 16 bar verse seven minutes and whatever they come up with is what they got to rap and so it just challenges you to think quickly and i was like dang i'm not i'm a pretty slow writer so i don't know if i can do that right off the bat and so i was like but what if i just gave myself a challenge of doing a verse every day and give myself like a little less than like like 45 minutes see if i can knock it out and um i was like okay that's cool but i'm not going to do anything with those raps and i was like if I just do remixes, I can post those and then it's content. And then I'm challenging myself as a content creator too to make a video every day. And so the first day, October 31st, I did the first two. But then since then, I, and then I think I missed a day a couple days later. But since then, it's been make it the day of, post it the day of. Yeah, it's been super impressive to watch because I, I went on a similar journey last winter. Uh, you know, being in Northeast PA, we get snowed in uh like crazy you kind of go like you know like stir crazy in the house and i was like i'm doing a putting challenge every single day like i remember i don't remember what it was it was 15 putts or something like that and i remember getting to like the 15th or 20th day and i'm like no one's even gonna know if i just stop doing it right you know but then you get like that one glimmer of hope and someone's like you know hey man like did you not putt today or something and i'm like oh you you gotta be kidding me, dude. You know, like, come on, like you kind of feel obligated. Um, have you had people reach out as you've been doing these remixes? Yeah, I've had a couple of people text me on the days whenever I post them in the afternoon, they're like, Are you gonna do it today? <laughs> <laughs> Even today, like this is probably the latest I've pushed it. Um, because we were we were filming some content for my brother this morning and then we had we got to play some golf and so I'm not I'm not stressing about it because I think I'm getting the time of like being able to write, record, and make the video down to like an hour total. And when I first started, it was like a few hours each. And so um, I'm feeling a little bit better about it, which is good. And what I hoped for is kind of just ultimately be more productive and also obviously hope the videos do well. And hopefully by the end of it, maybe a few of them start to do pretty well. Yeah, no, it's been, like I said, it's been really cool to watch. And it's honestly something on Instagram that I kind of look forward to. Like every once in a while, I really kind of sour on the platform. I just, I guess the algorithm sends me like the same crap over and over and over again. And you know, like for the leave the pin one, like it's all just golf stuff. Like <laughs> everyone's doing the same stuff, man, you know? Like mm, That's exactly only, how I feel with, but with music content. 
Yeah, of course, of course. Um, but so you mentioned like it, t- it, it would take you a while to write songs. So I'm guessing you wouldn't consider yourself a freestyle rapper. You, you, you more kind of plan things out then. Yeah, more planned. Because like I said, like I, I didn't grow up freestyling with friends. I grew up just kind of writing in secret and then eventually being like, let's try recording this. And then the first ones are terrible. And so it, it took a long time. This has been a very much like developed skill more than it was anything yeah. like natural. Do you uh, do you ever get you ever have any weird interactions in the course? You know, like if you're playing in a foursome, maybe some different people you get paired up. And then kind of after a while, you know, like that seventh or eighth hole, you start really kind of opening up to people. And, yeah. and do people ever kind of just kind of looking like, wait a minute, like you're the rapper? Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's totally like that. Actually, I feel like in the golf world, uh, when I tell people, they they've either been like, oh, nice, and they won't say anything, or they'll be like, that's really cool. I feel like I haven't had a lot of people just on the course be like, not believe me. It's more so out and about in other places when they find out, or sometimes I know people for a really long time. Um, and it, it, the conversation never really comes up. Like, I'm not really quick to be like, I do music unless they ask. Sure. Um, and so there's been times I, like, hang out with someone a couple times, and then it comes up, and then they're, like, really shocked. <laughs> have you have you ever had an interaction where you heard someone that doesn't know you playing the music? Um, yes. There was one time a couple years ago. I'm trying to remember what song it was. Um, and I was just driving around in my, uh, my hometown and a car was pulling out and I was like, Oh, that song sounds familiar. And then they rolled down their window and I was like, and I looked at them, no clue who they were. And so whoever they were, shout out to them. (laughs) That is very cool. Um, I had an interaction similar to that, but with your music. Oh, really? Playing it in class one day and kid comes up to me and he was like, you know, hey, like Mr. P, like I love this song. Mm-hmm. You know, like can you airdrop this to me? I said, yeah, of course, no problem. So I get my phone out, go to airdrop it to him, and he's like, so who is this again? I said, oh, I said this is Matt Mog. And you know, this is before even kind of like really interacting with you, but I was like, oh, he's kind of like a buddy of mine. It's like I know his brother really well. Yeah. And he's like, no. He's like, no, you don't. I was like, no, yes, I like seriously, I do. And he was like, prove it. So I just I opened my phone and show him like Brian's number and he's like, yo, you really know this? I was like, yes. Like I'm not. Why would I lie to you? And then, and you know, of course that spreads like wildfire in the class, like in the weight room. And then every single kid's like, yo, yo, like you know him? Yo, that's that's my guy. You know, so it's hilarious. And and like a, literally like a bunch of kids during the semester they'll hear a song or two and be like, you know, again, like I said in the beginning, like, oh, I don't. How come I don't know this song? Like, where's this from? And I've got to explain, you know, and it's just a it's a very cool interaction. And then I always make sure I tell them, I'm like, understand that this interaction came through golf. Yeah. Let them know. That's awesome, dude. <laughs> that's really cool. And that's and that's the thing. Like people don't people don't get that. Like the mm-hmm. golf world is so small. And even though it might you know seem big, like it really is super tiny when you get down to it and the people in it. No, it is. And it's something I just grew up in the golf world. And so I, I kind of just take it for granted and forget about like how much, uh, I don't know, just like how many people my, my, my family's gotten to know over the years. And I don't know, it's, it's really cool when you meet someone not in golf and you find out they're a golfer. And even if they're really bad or really good, like there's just some sort of connection you have with them. 
Yeah, I, I say all the time, like, look, if you like truly love golf, you know, not just like go out, play and get drunk, but like if you really love the sport, I mean, we're friends already. You know, it's 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 on such a deep level of connection by someone that is so passionate about this game. Yeah. Um. So be- before we kind of get into like the family history, which you kind of alluded to, I, I do want to ask you, we talked a little off air about kind of how golf and hip hop are really kind of interconnecting over the last five years. And I, I feel like, you know, they've both been on separate pathways, but now those highways have kind of, you know, convened together. Um, as someone that is literally like knee deep in both worlds, why do you think this is? Like, where did you see, did you see this coming down the pipeline? Like, where does this come from? Well, I think golf, I don't know, maybe, maybe people will disagree with me on this, but I feel like it's the sport that people might not grow up playing, but eventually they come around to it and they realize it's really fun and then they wish they grew up playing it like it's everyone I know that played sports in high school liked golf a little bit played it a little bit growing up and then afterwards they start playing and they're like dang I was a good baseball player but I a good baseball player plays varsity for a couple years and maybe that's it but golfers like if you grow up playing it uh your your ceiling is a lot higher for like how far you can go and just how fun it is and i don't know i think people kind of sleep on golf and so my theory is that through social media and through the internet more and more people that grow up in different cultures are just realizing golf's pretty fun and it's not really it's not just for old guys and so i think i think it's just the world is coming around to golf um and there's a few rappers i know in the mainstream that have gotten into it like I know Macklemore is a big golfer now and he has a whole golf company. And uh, I know Schoolboy Q from Top Dog, Kendrick's label, uh, he's a big golfer. And so I think I think p- people are just telling each other and slowly getting into it. Yeah, it's uh it's it's crazy. So Macklemore plays at Pebble Beach every year now. He's become kind of a mainstay yep. in that. Um Yellow Wolf is another dude who is enormous into golf and actually just teamed up with Malbon to be releasing the line next year sometime. He just uh, just announced. So it, it's it's crazy. Like, it's wonderful. It's awesome. Um, have you seen any of the videos? Like, of, like, take away, like, DJ Khaled. You know, like, everyone, right? Like, everyone uses that, like, oh, down the middle. Um, <laughs> but have you seen any of the videos of, like, the other guys golfing uh, from the rap world? Uh, just a few of them. Like, I know... Schoolboy Q and Macklemore, the two guys I mentioned, I've seen them post a lot of stuff. I'm trying to think of who else. I know more guys are into it. But have those... you seen the the 21 Savage golf oh, swing? No, I haven't. But I, I think that he did a music video on a golf course one time, and so I remember. I think I've seen him. I think he might have swung in that one. But <laughs> yeah, you uh, people at home, you know, you as well, like look that up. It is. <laughs> You know, like every once in a while, your brother does like swing analysis stuff. And I would love him to do 21 because he it is it's got awful. It's it's like he's got like two left hands. It's insane. It's funny. Yesterday, we literally filmed a down of DJ Khaled swing. Nice. Did you send end up sending it over? Um, I think I think uh, he's so Brian's planning. He's actually launching a YouTube channel, which is the reason I'm down here. So we're we're filming more like long form content. Okay. And so uh, I think the video. I don't know when that one will go up, but it's 
it's basically fixing DJ Khaled's slice. And it's kind of just a way to phrase like fixing a slice, but with a little bit of a fun spin on it. Yeah, no, no doubt. He's he's always had some good videos. I think they were kind of all over the place. Um, but kind of relaunching the new channel will be awesome because then everything's going to be kind of streamlined. You know, I know he's been doing a lot of that social media work as, as of late. It's been getting really, really good, too. Yeah, he's definitely leaning more into the teaching stuff, like uh, the coaching type content. And uh, I think there's I think there's a big like need for that. I know there's a lot of guys that do it, but uh, I think uh, I think he's really good at it. And I think uh, that could be that could be his thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you mentioned before and we'll, we'll get into this now, you know, kind of turn it more golf centric in this half of the pod. But you grew up in a very, very good golfing family. Um, you know, your brother's been on the pod. Uh, he played in college D one, uh, played on mini tours. You know, we talked about that. People can look up the episode. Uh, I met your uncle this summer at the U S senior open that he qualified for. Like, I'm not talking like a good golfing family that has won some club championships. I'm talking like, you know, like Pacific Northwest royalty golf here, the Mog family. Uh, <laughs> how competitive was that growing up? You know, it was weird because, so Brian, my oldest brother, he was the only one that played golf competitively, like in elementary and middle school. Me and my brother Chris played for fun. And then around eighth grade for both of us was when we were like, wait, why are we still playing these other sports? Like golf is really fun. Let's try out for the high school team and see how we do. And I watched, so like Brian grew up winning like big tournaments and like getting second and third in the state tournaments and was like a, like known as a golfer in our area. But then Chris, my brother, went from like a JV golfer his freshman year to being like a solid player his sophomore year to his junior year getting second place in state and being recruited for college. And so I watched it happen really fast. And so we were pretty competitive with other sports, but we just realized like our ceiling in baseball is like maybe varsity baseball. Our ceiling in basketball is like probably JV, maybe varsity uh, our senior year. And golf, like, we are lucky enough that we have a lot of opportunity because of our family. And if we work really hard at it, we the ceiling is kind of endless. And so we, we got really into it in high school, both me and my brother Chris. And he ended up playing at Gonzaga, which was really cool to watch. That's very cool. Uh, it, it, that's also extremely mature way of kind of thinking about and kind of self-realization of, you know, what is my top level in the sport? Because... As a teacher, like I hear kids all the time, like, yo, man, I'm going D1. I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, like, oh, my God, you know, I don't want to crush a kid's dreams. But let's be realistic, dude. Like, it's junior year and you're still playing JV. Like, you're not going D1, you know? No, it's it's crazy. I mean, it's weird now that I coach um, because I still I like sympathize with the kids because I thought the same way, even though I knew like deep down, like if I'm not really good by like my junior year, I'm probably not going anywhere. <laughs> um, but I, I'm, I love coaching these kids because some of them start to realize they're like, wait, I just in our, our season up here is so, so short because our, our days are really short in the fall. Um, uh, so it's pretty much just September and October and how much they improve in a two-month span. They're like, if I work at this all off-season, I could be 10 shots better next year. Right, right. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, and if you do that again, you're shooting in the 60s, and you keep doing that in tournaments, like, that's good enough to go play college somewhere, D1, maybe D2. And so I sympathize with the kids because I, 
I want to help them realize they can do it. But at the same time, like it's their decision. They have, they have lives they want to live. Maybe they don't even want to be D1 golfers. But in my head, I'm always thinking, I'm like, this kid could be really good if he just really committed to it. So your golf season seems to be the kind of same as ours here. Like we start uh, mid-August and we just finished States up uh, a week and a half ago. So oh. you're in the fall as well? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, okay. so we just had our season. It ended the second week of October. But it's weird because we do our district tournament and then – we wait till the spring to do state because the rest of Washington, like East, Eastern Washington, they play in the spring. And I don't know why that is. Uh, so like one of our, like our best player on our team, he qualified for state. And so it's weird because now he's got a huge gap until the state tournament. But the really good players in our area, like high school golf, like you do a lot more than high school golf. Like this kid is, is one of the best kids in Washington. And so he's, out in like Louisiana playing in I forgot yeah. that he was in that tournament with uh Charlie Woods playing against him and okay yeah that's uh that's that's a real interesting way of doing it so in the spring when the other teams are playing mm-hmm. he's just waiting until the state tournament comes around pretty much I always thought of it as a kind of a cool thing because I always looked at it like if I somehow get into state um I have a whole off season basically to go from maybe barely making it to state to like, if I really commit, maybe I can be a top guy in the state. Like who knows? Yeah, that's, that's, I, yeah, I can see like the pros and cons of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, where do you guys play your state tournament at? So I think this year it'll be at Creek at Qualchin. We usually, it's pretty much always in Eastern Washington. Okay. Uh, so like the Spokane area, which is the same same city as uh, Gonzaga Uni- University, of Gonzaga. Okay, very cool, very cool. So now you're assistant coach at the same high school that you played at. Yep. And that's the same high school Brian and Chris went to as well. Yep. And is that under the same coach that coached you guys? No. So actually, funny story. So I had the same coach for three years. My brothers both had him for all their years. He's awesome. And then he quit at the end of my junior year and my dad actually got hired as the head coach. And so he coached for my senior year and then a few years after that. And then they just hired me as the assistant. So I actually get to work with my dad, which is pretty cool. That, that is very cool, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is, uh, wow, that's pretty cool, man. You don't get that often. No, it's been really fun. It's It's honestly really cool. And like, we won the like coach of the year award for our district. So like it, it, it's just been a really fun time. Very cool. The Mog family sweeping up on all the awards. <laughs> yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, what brings you down to Arizona. I was super impressed. I'm not going to lie. Um, like, I don't know if Brian's ever showed you or if you've ever seen on my Instagram account, my golf swing, it's awful, but <laughs> it's so repeatable. Um, you know, I hate to say I'm a good golfer. Like I'm, I'm a, I'm a good golfer. I'm not a very good golfer. Right. Um, but I can hold my own. Um, you know, like I've, I've shot in the 60s before all that stuff, nice. but you know, let, let's be honest, like with my swing, it's not getting any better than that, mm-hmm. but I saw your swing and it's so simplistic. And I mean that in like the utmost complimentary way, it looks so repeatable. It's a nice short backswing kind of 
I'd say a la like a, a John Rom and Tony Finau. Not as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, great slot position. You just get through the ball. Um, so how long are you down in Arizona playing for? Just a couple of days. And, and thank you for saying that. Um, I got down here two days ago and I leave tomorrow. So literally it was a very last second trip. My brother and I have been talking for a long time. I'm, I'm just down here to help him film and, and launch his YouTube channel. And he was he basically hit me up and he's like, if you can get down here, um, come film. He's like, I can get us on some courses. We can play some golf like this time of the year back home. It's like uh, like high 40s and rainy. And so we're not really golfing anymore. Um, and so I was like, sweet, good weather, good golf. Like, I don't mind helping my brother film. Uh, sounds like a fun time. And so super last second trip. Uh, and yeah, I'm working on my swing. I don't, I don't play enough for it to be super consistent these days, but, uh, my brother's been helping me and helping me get more dialed. Well, that's a pretty damn good teacher to have. Yeah. Super helpful. Um, so like, what are you shooting nowadays? You know, on a, on a good day, obviously it could range from anywhere, but these days I'm just trying to break 80. Um, back in high school, I was like a low seventies, mid to low seventies kind of guy. Um, and so trying to get back to that. I don't, I don't play enough to where like my yardages are inconsistent and it's like, I, I need to get back into it, but I'm, I'm starting to, I'm starting to, to practice a couple times a week, get, get a feel for everything and get some lessons here and there when I can. And so I really want to get back into it. I felt like I kind of got the itch to get, to get my game back together. Understood. I understand that completely. Um, I want to ask you kind of a two part question. This kind of mixes the worlds of hip hop and golf. Yeah. Um, I want to know about some of the favorite, your favorite shows that you've performed. But then I also want to talk about some of the favorite golf courses uh, that you played as well. Nice. Okay. So I'll start off with the shows. Uh, a really good memory of mine was like last year. Uh, excuse me. I got invited to uh, play a show. Me and, me and a couple of my artist buddies, like we got invited to play a show in Alaska which was just a crazy experience going up there in Fairbanks. And uh, it was just a really fun time. It kind of felt like like a summer camp because me and my friends were all staying together and uh, playing a concert for like, I think there was like 100 people that had probably never been to a concert, like most of them. And the fact that we were like their first show was, was a really cool experience. So that's probably my best memory from a show. Either that or I got to just do a quick verse at... Uh, futuristics uh show back in 2021 down here in arizona which was really cool to just that was my first time doing anything music in like another state so definitely those two um favorite courses to play so i got to play pebble a couple years ago with my family and that was just the course that every time me and my brothers were playing tiger woods like the golf game growing up like (laughs) just always play pebble because iconic um so that was like weird because i've also been there to watch my uncle but playing it is just a totally different thing um and i also i worked at uh i don't know if you know sahali country club oh yeah of course yeah and so i, I worked there in high school because it's just in my old hometown and getting to play there is really cool it's funny because it's such a like world famous course and it's very private but when you work there and like one of our, our rival high school team plays there it becomes like very casual to you. And so it's just a really fun, like nice course in the area to play. Yeah. It's interesting how sometimes like when you get behind the, behind the forbidden wall, yeah. right. Of some 
private country clubs or or into the golf space how normal these things become right yeah no and being a being a bagroom boy you start to see behind the curtain of just how how a country club functions and it's really fun but it's also really like i don't know it's an interesting experience yeah i mean it's it's like any workplace it's filled with great people it's filled with degenerates like you know it's just Yep, one hundred percent. But yeah, yeah. Everyone thinks like a, that. All these private clubs, like everyone is straight up on the up and up, and everyone's kind of hoity-toity, and it's just really not that way. The facade might be, yeah, but the real <laughs> real world is not. No, yeah, but it's also really cool just working at a course because I don't know. You might have like like former NFL players show up and yeah. just random people that because they just want to play Sahali, and it's like really weird i don't know that's the cool thing about golf though is the connections you can make is crazy like i I don't think there's any other sport or hobby that has that no there's like there's definitely not like uh someone was asking me a while back they said you know like how can you how do you get on some of these courses i'm like i I just tell people i have a podcast like and i'll talk about their course and 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 they like that and then they listen and they realize hey i kind of enjoy this um but if like i had an nba podcast right like the sixers wouldn't be inviting me to games the wachovia center like to sit courtside they just wouldn't you know yeah no that's crazy it's that's a good way to like look at it and i mean there's it helps also that there's no other sport where you like converse with each other throughout the whole time you're playing and it's not like just strategy like you can make small talk with the random person you're paired with and find out they're the ceo of some big company and then now you some connection there or whatever it is like you just never know yeah it brings people from all walks of life together yeah 100 percent. all right so next question again two-parter right uh most interesting person that you've met through your music career and then transpose that with most interesting person that you've met throughout golf okay let's see um i think of a good answer uh i met some pretty random people i feel like uh i've definitely like interacted with a lot of people on social media that i never thought i'd interact with but actually meeting uh so a couple years ago uh back when i was doing a a music podcast with my buddy uh we interviewed nick d and this was nick d when he had a little bit of a following but like nothing like what he has now and so that was really cool um just to sit and talk with him for an hour about how to grow as an independent artist and being like, okay, that's cool. This guy's got a decent following. And then like over the next two years, watch him put that like words into action and go from like being a guy like barely making a living to making millions of dollars off of his music. Yeah. That was just really cool to witness. Um, the coolest person I met because of golf. Definitely met some cool people. Uh, Jermaine curse is a, good like family friend of ours and so i've gotten to play with him a few times and he he actually came out to speak to our high school team uh this year and just give us some encouragement and that was really cool he's a big golfer he's a he's a former nfl player if you're not familiar but uh he uh opened up an indoor facility up here in the northwest which is really helpful because you can't really play in in the fall or at least you can't you can't practice the same and so it's like top of the line nicest indoor facility i've ever seen very cool very cool mm-hmm. all right best 
verse that you've ever written and then best round of golf you've ever played? Good question. Um, what is the best verse I've ever written? So it's kind of a lame answer. I have an album I'm working on. I think my best verse is on there. But okay. I think uh, a verse I did a couple years ago for a remix, it was a for an artist named Andy Minio. I, I remixed one of his songs. And that led to a lot of connections for me. And I met a lot of my friends because he, Andy Minio, the artist, posted the video. And I just met a lot of people from it. And so I think if there's ever a verse that's ever helped my music in any way, it, it was that one. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call that one my best verse. Um, and sorry, what was the, the rest of the question? Uh, best round of golf that you've played. Golf. So at, I think I shot 70 at uh, the Plateau Club, which was my, my home course growing up. It's a tough course, and I shot that my senior year. Um, I'm going to tell another quick story. Uh, when I was my senior year, my, my brother Chris, actually, not Brian, has the high school nine-hole record at our, at our school. And it was a 31 at Newcastle, so five under in nine holes because we just play nine holes. Wow. And uh, that's kind of the record where I'm like, I don't know, maybe – Maybe this one freshman that's on our, our golf team this uh, this past year, he's really good. Maybe he'll get it in his four years, but I don't know if anyone's ever going to touch that record. Uh, my senior year, we were playing match play, and I was four under through five, and I won the match after the fifth hole, um, which was great and cool. But I was like, in the back of my mind, I was like, I really wish this was stroke play because maybe I, maybe I wouldn't be four under if it was stroke play, but, but I was like, I think I can make a run at this record. <laughs> That was probably uh, I've ever played just in a short hole stretch. Yeah, I mean, I four under, five under through nine is is insane. That's funny because we play eighteen here, mm-hmm. and we have this battle every year between the coaches when we have our annual, annual coaches meeting, and our our conference is enormous. We have eighteen teams, and mm-hmm. it's split between what they call the north, which is like the mountain region, and the south, which is kind of the valley region. And so, <clears throat> technically, the South teams are usually always better. It's more the richest school districts. We're up in the North. Um, this year, the North dominated. We th- three out of the five kids that went to stage came from the North. But all the time, the North coach is like, hey, we should give kind of some credence to the fact that maybe we should only play nine holes. Yeah. Most of the rest of the country does that. Most of the rest of the state of Pennsylvania does that. But the South coaches are always like, well, it doesn't prepare kids for college and this, that, and the other. But, you know, meanwhile, kids that are playing collegiate golf are not just playing in high school like you had previously mentioned. Right, yeah. And no. uh, it, it's crazy because there's nights that we'll get, we'll get home at 10 o'clock from a yeah. match. No, that's crazy. That's a totally different – yeah, at our school, we have to do – so we just play nine holes, and even with that, we still have to usually – our kids usually have to miss their like last two classes on match days to get there in time. Um, and so I get why we do nine holes, but the, the kids I know that grew up in different parts of the state that played 18, they have to miss the whole day of school. And it's like, now that I work in the school system and kind of have a little bit more insight to how it works, like I don't think our school would ever be okay with missing multiple days of school like each week, like that's, that's kind of a lot on a, on a high school or trying to, trying to have good grades. <laughs> yeah. It's uh believe me, I know I, I see with my son, um, there's times where 
he gets out of class at 10 a.m., you mm-hmm. know, for a match, and we're still at home till seven, and then there's still homework. And you mentioned how you do states in the spring. We go from our conference tournament to our district tournament to our state tournament, all within about a three and a half week span. And then right. with practice rounds in and travel days for that, I mean, it, he was in school like twice a week for three weeks, you know? So he's, finally just kind of catching up now on all the work and you know his teachers have been great they understand he's a very good golfer like they get it but yeah yeah, it's the like no other sport kid misses that amount of time it's just crazy it's ridiculous and i get it it's just kind of how the game is but yeah it's a bummer because i don't know golf's such a good game (laughs) it is If, if if you had to if you had to change one thing like if you were named czar of golf is there anything that you would change kind of right off the bat? Like any any glaring things right off the top of your head that's like, you know, I hate this about the sport or I think it would work better if we did it this way? Uh, nothing like rules-wise about the game. And I think this is already starting to change, but just the culture of why... I'm, I've always been curious, too, to like why people look down on golf or they, they might not even attempt playing it growing up. I think it's just it doesn't feel very open to everybody. And that comes with how expensive it is, which is totally understandable. Um, But if the game could be cheaper and just more accessible to everybody, I think there would be no stigmas about golf. I think everyone would realize it's a really fun sport. And I I don't know. I I wish it was more just open to all walks of life, which it's, it's definitely way better than it used to be. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just know when I was growing up, like, so I grew up on Long Island and, you know, you're talking home to 10 of the greatest courses in the world, not even in the, you know, in the state of New York. I mean, it's just, you, you throw a rock in some places and you're just hitting world-class golf, but that was so inaccessible to a normal middle-class kid. Like you couldn't even think about it. And golf wasn't even on my radar then you know, mm-hmm. whatsoever. So I, I think you're a hundred percent right. The accessibility nowadays, and not only the accessibility, but like with the proliferation of social media and like the new TGL that they're going to be doing with the, you know, the indoor golf arena and even like with live, love it or hate it. it it's put golf kind of on the front page again. And like you said, hopefully it shows a little bit of an uptick, um, you know, amongst the masses. Yeah, 100%. I, I think it's it's headed in the right direction. That's the only thing that comes to mind. I mean, I don't know. Um, I don't I don't think there's anything I would really change about golf. Like, I think it's awesome. I just wish, yeah, exactly. I just wish kids played it more. But I think uh, there's cool things they do, like, trying to remember. Like, in Washington, there's, like, youth on course, which you pay a certain amount, and then you're only paying, like, 10 bucks, and you can pretty much play most public courses. So there, there are, like, great opportunities uh, I think we just need to raise awareness of them. Yeah, I uh, one of the things that I've found with two sons, you know, playing junior golf, like they get to play the coolest courses in the area at such affordable prices. Yeah. And, and courses like that, I wouldn't even be able to get on. And I'm just like, you know, again, damn, I wish I started this earlier because like you guys don't even realize how good you have it right now. Yeah. No, I mean, I wish I took more advantage of it growing up because I liked golf. But for whatever reason, even I, growing up in the best golf family, like 
you could have grown up around like didn't really I don't know see it as like such a fun thing and I, I I don't know maybe maybe it's just not for everyone but at some point it really seems like everyone tries golf and really gets hooked on it oh 100 percent 100 percent um so before we get you out of here and you know you kind of give away all the socials and all that stuff and where people can find you um if you had to kind of prognosticate out this whole next year like what's on your radar for music and golf uh just uh getting a lot better working a lot harder on on both of them and as music wise it's just going to be posting a lot trying to get the socials going so you'll see me a lot on social media you'll see me dropping a lot of music uh kind of getting back to the basics of just posting a lot of rap stuff uh and with golf i'm really excited to coach again next year and so i'm, I'm taking this whole off season to just work on my game i'm going to get back into playing in some tournaments just some local am stuff and uh trying to learn more about the swing so i can really help some of these kids i'm really excited because we have uh we have some really good players and i'm excited to see how far they can go that's fantastic so when we drop this episode in the liner notes um you know we'll give the social media all that and uh, instagram stories we'll post some some music but if people want to check out your music if they want to follow you give them all the information so they can kind of connect with you yeah just look up uh on spotify apple music matt mogg m-a-t-t-m-o-g-g um and social media it's all it's matt mogg on instagram tiktok twitter whatever you have fantastic and and people obviously you know uh, click on the links in all of our stories and stuff and check the liner notes. and We'll have all those links to Matt. Um, and I can tell you, even if you're not someone that thinks like, oh, you know, I don't really like rap music. Give it a chance. All right. Like that's that's the thing. Like at least give it a chance and then say that it's not for you. <laughs> you appreciate that. Of course. Of course, man. Look, it's been an absolute blast. Uh, you know, I've been wanting to have you on a long time. We took a little hiatus with the pod during golf season, but uh Super stoked to have you back on. Uh, this is going to be great. Episode 204 with my man, Matt Mogg. Thanks, my man. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it, bro. All right, people. So either get busy golfing or get busy dying. Swannies is here with a fresh take. Performance-based materials are a given these days. But if you're looking for the stretchiest and most lightweight pieces that deliver a look that says I'm here for a good time, take a walk on the Swannies side. With fabric sourced from recycled plastics and design sourced from our very own Weekend Warriors, Swannies is looking out for both our planet and those that need a little style to boost their drive another 15 yards. Premium looks from top to bottom at swannies.com. Podcast patrons, Leave the Pin Podcast is super stoked to have Gas House Golf as their official clothing sponsor for the podcast. Go to gashousegolf.com, find them on all forms of social media at Gas House Golf. Gas House makes affordable, eye-catching, one-of-a-kind polos that help you stand out from the crowd. Why spend 75, 100, or even more on polos that make you look like everybody else when you can get one at an affordable price from Gas House Golf? Hit the ball a mile and look damn good doing it.